Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons, cannons. Go. Fire them. Yeah. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me today, my good buddy and co-host for this episode, from BucksNation.com, Mr. James Hill. Joining us today, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback and the pride of Tulane. How about the wave, Mr. Sean King joins the show. How are we feeling, fellas? Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday, man. Hell, Tulane won a... New Year's Day bowl game, Bucks won the NFC South. I mean, what could be better? Yeah, no kidding. Listen, I, I don't do this a lot. We are live today on Friday on YouTube, and it, this isn't something we normally do, but it has been one hell of a week. It is Friday. Sean's got the cigar. I'm going to go ahead and crack open a cold one. <laughs> I like it. And we're going to get this bitch underway. So the last time we talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they were fresh off a division victory over the Carolina Panthers. They secured the NFC South, a division that nobody wanted to win this year, but the Bucs were able to get the dirty work done. So they have got their ticket punched to the playoffs. They've got one more division opponent as we wrap up the 2022 NFL regular season. They are going to be on the road playing the Atlanta Falcons. Now, obviously, this is a game that in the grand scheme of things is not going to be very incremental for Tampa Bay. Uh, the injury report came out. A lot of big names going to be resting up this week. We'll talk about that here shortly. But, you know, let me ask you this, Sean. What do the Bucks have to play for this week? There's been a couple sound bites that came out. Chris Godwin in particular said one of the most important things about the game this week is for all of these starters to come together and, and find a way to play 60 minutes because I know the Bucs are 8-8 eight and, eight and they won the division. But something we've said all year long is that it feels like we haven't seen this Bucks team come together and play a full 60 minutes of football like we know that they're capable of. And after last week, you got to think they want to keep the ball rolling offensively, start playing their best ball right before the postseason. So realistically, for anyone wondering, what what are the Bucks playing for this week? I think it's about confidence. Um, first of all, internally, like they have a very good grasp from a health standpoint. And if you have guys that you know have been battling through who aren't even close to 100%, I think the most important thing for them is to be as healthy as possible for Dallas. Uh, in the same breath, I would treat it like a preseason game. Hey, hey listen, guys, we're going to go out. The starters that are available, we're going to play the first couple series. You know, let's go out and execute and, and build some confidence and, and take some momentum into, you know, this wild card game against the Dallas team we've already beaten 
But a Dallas team is better than they were when we played them, I think it was first game of the season. So you know, that would be my approach, you know, uh, business as usual, but also understanding that we do have some guys that we're going to need to be at full strength because the playoffs isn't just the Dallas game. You know, it, it's a four-game stretch we have to go on in order to horse the Lombardi, Lombardi trophy. Yeah, I, I think, too, you know, exactly what you said there, Sean, is like kind of treating it like a, a preseason game, you know, because with those starters, like you said, and, you know, to Rhett's point, so many guys are battling with injuries. A lot of players are ruled out, you know, so you don't want to run that risk of aggravating injuries. A lot of guys, even Tristan Wirfs, I believe, uh, you know, re-aggravated his ankle injury a week or two ago. So do you want to run that risk, you know, with Chris Godwin saying, hey, you know, we got to put together a full 60 minutes. Do you want him out there for the full game? You know, that's that's a pretty legitimate concern there. So close to the playoffs with just one week away from that. So I definitely agree where they can build some momentum, get a couple of series. I, think, I believe Todd Bull said they still have a lot of things they need to work on. Definitely agree with that, you know, um, but also finding that balance of, OK, build some momentum for yourself as a team but let's take you out so you don't possibly run the risk of getting hurt. That's where that, yeah, I got to find that balance. Yeah. And one of the discussions at the beginning of the week, as far as who's going to be available and who's not, um, was just how many of the starters are we going to see? Right. And obviously you want to go out and win this game. And I think the bucks and, and maybe Todd Bowles in particular have a little extra to play for this week. Maybe Tom Brady has this on his mind. You know, I know not a lot of people probably care because, like I said at the start of the show, it it seems so, it, it seems so, uh, you know, so so non important at this point in the season since you are gearing up for the postseason. But I think not only do you want to finish up the regular uh, regular season with a win, but you want to finish with a positive record. You know, if you're Todd Bowles and and you can hang your hat on a division title and nine wins in a season, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I know the expectations were lofty. But nine wins in a season is still somewhat respectable, I think, for especially for a first-year head coach, right? Todd Bowles has had this defense humming. Some of those guys are resting up. The offense still kind of trying to find their footing, and hopefully they can do that this week against Atlanta. But I, I think, obviously, they're going to want to come out here with a positive record at the end of the year. It's going to boost everybody's confidence going into the postseason. But Tom Brady, here's a question I wanted to ask. Uh, no question Tom Brady's going to start this game, but... Is he going to finish it? You know, you brought up the idea that it is kind of like a preseason game where you want to try and, you know, conserve these guys' energy for the more important games. And if we're entering the third quarter, I mean, hell, if we're entering the fourth quarter of this game and the Bucks are ahead by three points, let's say it's 24 to 21, you know, is it still going to be worth pulling Tom Brady to throw in a Blaine Gabbard or potentially a Kyle Trask later in the game? Like, do you think those guys are going to want to stay in if this game is close down the stretch? Because... You know, some of the wins the Bucks have this year, they had to kind of play catch up in the fourth quarter. And if you're in a situation where you have to do that on Sunday, I can't imagine the merit that's going to be, you know, that you're going to get from from taking some of those guys out. You know, putting in a Blaine Gabbert when you have to really kind of put the game away at some point doesn't seem like the best move to come away with a win. And I know that the win in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter, but like, you know, if this game is close in the fourth quarter, are we going to see the starters play the whole thing? I think uh, when you look at the year in a um, in a vacuum, the process has looked flawed. The result has been all that mattered. You know, a lot of times we've come on, Rhett, and we've talked about with Evan, you know, the majority of the year, 
they've had to come back down 16-6 to a Cardinals team with Trace McSorley. They were losing the Panthers game. But I told you guys it didn't matter because ultimately, if they won the division, they'd be in the playoffs. To me, the inverse is true for this game. Uh, I'd like the starters that are available to come out. If they can play a great first quarter, then take them out the game. Because ultimately, as much as Todd would like to go 9-8, and eight, if you go 9-8 and eight and lose to the Cowboys, it doesn't mean anything. If you go 8-9 and nine and win the Super Bowl, guess what? Nobody remembers what happened second half of meaningless week 18 versus the Atlanta Falcons. So I would put a lot of emphasis on my guys. Let's be sharp from the get-go. That's something we haven't done often this year. It'd be great to get two good drives in the first where there's some balance. You know, as successful as Tom was, it was great to see Mike Evans and the vertical passing game kind of reemerge. We still were terrible running the ball. I think our leading rusher at 28 yards. So yeah. if we can get a couple of drives in the first where there's some balance there for net breaks a run, Rashad White breaks a run, you know, we get us an explosive play in the passing game, and I'd be more than okay with them now coming out of the game and letting some of the young guys get some some playing time, some experience, because you never know, you know, um, it's always next man up mentality and you're always, you know, one play away from having that guy that's the backup now being somebody to depend on as a starter. Hey, and speaking of backups as well, the left tackle stepping in this week, more than likely going to be Brandon Walton as Donovan Smith has been ruled out last week against Carolina. One of the reasons Tom Brady was so confident throwing the rock around the yard is because it felt like that offensive line finally started to hold up a little bit more, or at least in Tom's eyes, he started to trust them a little bit more. Now with D Smith, I know that he has been under heavy scrutiny so far this year. So not a lot of people are going to be super upset that he's not out there, but he is a starting caliber left tackle in the NFL. So I think his presence will certainly be felt or his lack of presence, if you will. Um, James, I didn't mean to step on top of you right there, but uh, what are your thoughts coming into this one? Yeah, just, just to kind of talk more about what Sean was saying, um, you know, you mentioned Rhett where if it's a 24-21 situation in the fourth quarter, um, do you leave the starters out there? Well, I, you know, I still think the starters would play, play probably the first quarter, you know, like what Sean was saying, even if that, you know, maybe a series or two, again, kind of like a preseason game. But one thing I'd be interested to see, you mentioned it, Rhett, is if it's 24-21, Bucks are up and they need to put a game away, or if they're even down 24-21, give a moment like that to a young quarterback like Kyle Trask, who... You know, the Bucks have not seen a lot of besides preseason games and some training camps and whatnot. Give him a moment like that. See what, you know, your young guys can do as backups. Like Sean said, you don't know what can happen and you don't know what kind of quality backups you may need in the future. So a lot of young guys, a lot of backups getting those types of reps so you get a better idea of what your depth looks like, what your young developmental guys look like. I think is very huge for a game like this to have an opportunity to see what you can have with those players. So that I think would be a very good thing to see. Maybe, you know, Oh, we're down. We need a game winning drive. Let's see what Kyle Trask has. Um, because right now as it stands, he's the only quarterback under contract after this year. <laughs> and that's a pretty legitimate question as to what's going to happen at the quarterback position. So I feel like, even if they are down, you know, and, and the starters are already out, you're obviously not going to put them back in. But it is a good thing to see with what you have in your depth, what you have in your young developmental guys, and it can help some of those off-season decisions that you may need to make later on down the line. 
we we talk about the offensive side of the ball coming into this one. Of course, Donovan Smith being ruled out, so that's going to be affecting the offensive line. Um, Tom Brady maybe feeling the pressure in the pocket, not going to be as comfortable as he was this time a week ago, throwing it to win the FedEx Air Player of the Week, I think. He ended up bringing home the hardware. Mike Evans, obviously, his three-touchdown, 200-yard performance enough to win NFC Player of the Week honors. Congrats to both of those guys. But um, I think those are the only two the only two pieces on the offensive side of the ball. Donovan Smith, and I think that's it. I don't think they've ruled anyone else out. So we should see most of the starters to, to kick this thing off. But let me ask you about Kyle Trask really quick. You brought that up. The million-dollar question this week is, are we going to finally see Kyle Trask, who... Again, the Bucks spent a second-round pick the year after the Super Bowl on Kyle Trask. Haven't seen a lot of regular season action. It's all in the preseason. I, I think we saw some ample improvement between his first preseason and his second preseason. But let me ask you this, Sean. Do you have any opinions on Kyle Trask? And, you know, what are your expectations for him if he does get into the game on Sunday? Well, I think the onus is on Kyle Trask to prove that, you know, he's a building block moving forward. You know, the fact that you don't hear a lot of buzz about Kyle Trask, I think, says that he has not been overwhelming in his time in practice. You know, if he was just lighting it up, whether it be scout team, whether it be limited reps, then you'd hear some buzz. Like, because, of course, there's a lot of national buzz that, you know, this is Tom's last year in a Buccaneer uniform. And if he decides to play next year, it'll most likely be somewhere on the West Coast, whether that be the Raiders or the 49ers. That's the buzz that you hear. Uh, and if you're watching, don't get mad at me. I'm just a news anchor. All I'm doing is reporting the news. So uh, I think if Kyle gets the opportunity, it's a big opportunity for him. If Blaine Gabbert gets it, it's a big opportunity for him because you're basically auditioning. I remember a few years back, Matt Flynn got a multi-year big money deal because of how he played in the final regular season game for Green Bay. So you look at the Raiders, Jared Stidham went out through for 300-plus and three touchdowns versus what a lot of people think is the best defense in football in the 49ers. Like, so these are opportunities. Anytime you get to add to your resume as a player that doesn't get a lot of opportunities, it's really, really important. Um, for Kyle, I mean, if he gets a chance to play, he's got to be efficient, you know. Can't do things that you're not, you know, predisposed to do. Like, he's not going to run around and beat Josh Allen. He just has to make his layups. And by that, I mean when guys are open, the pocket is clean, hit those throws, uh, be smart, you know, in situations that become chaotic, meaning if it's third and six and the receiver doesn't get a release, don't force a ball that's high and tipped and turns into an interception, it's okay to check it now. You know, it's okay to punt, you know, uh, just show that, that you can handle, you know, operating an offense because uh, this this free agent class that's coming up this offseason is going to have some big names, guys. I mean, you're talking Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, Gardner Minshew, Cooper Rush. Like, there are some guys that are going to be available. So, the Bucs will have some options to choose from come this offseason. So, if I'm Kyle, I understand that. And I need to make sure that, you know, when they have their end-of-the-year meetings, whenever that is, and my name comes up, like, I put uh, my, my best foot forward, you know, if given an opportunity. I think for the uh, for the Kyle Trask supporters out there, this is going to be an exciting opportunity as well if he does find himself ready to go for Sunday's game. This is the first time we've seen him throw into some playmakers. You know what I mean? Can't guarantee Mike Evans, Chris Godwin's still going to be in the game if Kyle Trask does come in, but 
you have to assume guys like Russell Gage still going to be getting some reps on yeah, the offense. Scotty, Scotty Miller. Right, right, right. The Bucks have the deepest wide receiver group in yeah. the league. Yeah. Like, they, they at the top end, like, they don't have necessarily a Justin Jefferson or Devontae Adams. But, I mean, from top to bottom, I mean, they're, 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 that's, that's the best group in the National Football League. It's uh, I mean, it's I a much a weak spot. Yeah, it's a much different group than who he was throwing to in the preseason. You know, right. what I mean, like part of the reason I think Kyle Trask's preseason has been so underwhelming is because he's been throwing to practice squad guys. You know, no, 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 no. Oh no, no, Red, no. He's not playing against Aaron Donald either. Now, no, he's not. You're right. You're <laughs> right. He, mean, he's going to be it's like the apples comparison. And listen, here's what I learned when you're a quarterback: the part you can control if it looks right. Nobody cares what the result is. Like, if you get in the preseason and you're throwing dimes and the guys are dropping them, nobody's going to blame you if you end up six for 20. But if you're in the preseason and you're six for 20 and, you know, you look uneasy in the pocket, you look like the pass rush bothers you, you got a guy open downfield, you throw it out of bounds, like, no excuses, no explanations. Now, the onus is on you to make the presentation look right because you know what it looks like when you see it. Right. No, I, I get you. And I think, honestly, the expectations are going to be all over the place because when you start to go through the backup quarterbacks the Bucks have on the roster, Blaine Gabbert, been in the league long enough to where you know what he is. He's, he's been a starter before. Uh, he might not go out there and throw four or five touchdowns to win you the game, but he also could throw potentially a pick six to lose you the game. So with Blaine Gabbert, I feel like there is a risk-reward factor there. We know what he is. You know what I'm saying? I don't think there's a lot of untapped potential as far as Blaine Gabbard as a starter in the NFL. But again, circling back to Kyle Trask, just the the, the group that he's going to be playing around, the opportunity that he'll have in front of him. Obviously, the dog, a big supporter of Kyle Trask. He's excited to see him get some action this week. Um, I just I think that's what's what's honestly exciting. A lot of people is that, you know, if he goes out there and. Honestly, he doesn't even have to ball out. Like you said, he's just got to be serviceable. He's got to prove that he can make those throws to an open receiver. He can, you know, he can convert a third and six by finding the check down and moving the chain. Stuff like that is going to give people a lot of hope for the future and and maybe, maybe shake some things up for a potential quarterback competition in the spring. Just like you said, a pretty good list of free agent quarterbacks. I think the Bucs might want to take a look at that. But let's talk about the other side of the football here coming into this game. We had mentioned some guys who were not going to be playing, and uh, the list is pretty lengthy, but obviously the reasons are obvious. Carlton Davis will not be playing. Outside linebacker Carl Nassib not going to be available. Safety Logan Ryan with a knee injury will not be playing. Donovan Smith, we mentioned, already ruled out. Vita Vea also not going to be playing. Jamel Dean listed as questionable. So... I wanted to bring up this defensive line really quickly because in the absence of Shaq Barrett, the absence of Carl Nassib, Joe Tryon Shoyinka has had an increased role. Obviously, he's not as well-rounded of an edge rusher as you would like him to be yet, but I think that's going to come with time. You know, outside linebackers, defensive ends in the NFL, seems like they take a little longer to develop into what they truly can be. You know, for the longest time, the Bucks were trying to make Will Golson a, a stand-up 4-3 defensive end, and you know, once they changed the scheme, he put on some weight and kicked it over to the inside. His career just got much better. But a guy that's been making some noise and a guy that I, I think we've been waiting on to make some noise is big number 98, Anthony Nelson. He has had one hell of an underrated year, I think. Uh, six sacks on the year, if I'm not mistaken. And I think the last three weeks, 
He has played every single defensive snap. I'm excited to see what Anthony Nelson can do this week. And I, I think a lot of Bucks fans who have been looking for potential reinforcements in that pass rush are excited to see what he can do as well. He's, he's made some great plays this year, and uh, hopefully he can make some more. Well, it's a great opportunity for him. You're going against Desmond Ritter. I mean, in three games, he's got 85 pass attempts, been sacked seven times, has not thrown a touchdown or interception. So, <laughs> I mean, the good thing is, you know, the ball is probably not coming out quick all the time, so you'll have a chance to get some sacks. Uh, you know, if you're in the secondary, you got to feel like, and, you know, I think it's been unfortunate that we've had to battle injuries on defense, but I feel like the depth on defense has gotten a lot of reps this year you know, out of necessity. So, you know, this won't be like a Kyle Trash situation. A guy that hadn't really taken a snap is all of a sudden, you know, in a live game. Most of our guys on the roster on defense have seen significant action. So, you know, I, it's a great opportunity against a young quarterback on the other team, you know, to try and go force him into some mistakes. So, you know, listen, that league is a tough league, you know. So those guys know every time you get on that grass, you know, it's an opportunity to get closer to the bag. And, and so when a backup gets in, he's going to be doing his best to make plays. You know, the big thing for me is how fundamentally sound are the guys that are going to play on defense. That's what I'm looking at. You know, I watched the game from a different prism. You know, it was just my life experience as a player and a coach. So I'm looking at run fits. I think when the defense has gotten hurt this year, the run fits have been off. You know, contain guys aren't forcing the ball back in. Spill guys, they aren't spilling the ball to the contain. The guy that's fitting, he's in the wrong gap you know, or he's overrunning it. So, you know, those are the things I'm going to be looking at. Are they tracking the inside hip and the sideline, you know, as an extra defender? Like all those little things, you know. And I'm sure Coach Bowles, that's what he wants to see. You know, can we depend on you to do your job? Like, uh, I don't know if if everybody looks at defense, you know, from this vantage point, but, you know, when it comes to defending the run, everybody's responsible for a gap in a one-gap scheme defense. And, you know, if everybody does their job, then the run – you know, should be minimized. And, you know, that's what you want to be able to do. You know, when you're scheming an opponent and you know that they're a gap scheme team and you're trying to, you know, knock those uh, pullers off their path, you know, when you're the backside guy, you're going to get some zone read with Desmond Ritter. You know, when, when you're the pull guy or, or when you're the guy that has the, the ball carrier, can you just do your job? You know, if, you know, that's the things you're looking for in this game. You know, who's going to be able to handle their responsibility, you know, in a live situation? Yeah, and, and to that point, Sean, you know, the Bucks have a lot of starting guys out. Uh, Carlton Davis being out. I imagine Jamel Dean probably isn't going to play that much. Um, you know, Mike Edwards has been dealing with hamstring hip injuries, you know. Um, so you're going to be seeing a lot of backups, right? A lot of guys who are going to be a part of that rotation in those playoff games who do need to improve on those certain types of things. Vita Vea not being out there. Um, like you said, if a guy like Vita Vea is out, Big difference in terms of what this defense can do in certain situations, run game responsibilities and whatnot specifically. So whenever you hear Coach Bowles say something along the lines of, you know, we still have a lot of things that need to be worked on, that's one of those things that you want to see. How are those backups going to do or those rotational guys going to do whenever you don't have a big guy like Vita Vey who's able to help in that run defense? Are they going to be able to work on those assignments better? And get more in sync with what they need to do on the defensive side. That's going to be where you're going to see a lot of those valuable reps for a guys, for guys like Anthony Nelson and some of those safeties as well, like a Keanu Neal, um, you know, Zion McCollum might play a lot of cornerback in this game, the fifth round pick that they took in this most recent draft. Um, 
you know, Raheem Nunez, Rochez, Pat O'Connor, some of these guys who have been getting a lot of reps, like you said, Sean, um, due to injuries or just due to, you know, the normal rotation that they have on the defense. Now we can see the chance of, okay, can they build some momentum for themselves? Can they build some continuity in terms of handling their assignments and doing what they need to do? Because you never know what can happen. Vita Vey, he's missed a lot of time with that calf injury. If he's on a snap count in the playoffs or if he may miss the game entirely in the worst case scenario, those guys are going to have to step up. They're going to have to, you know, take over those assignments that Vita Vey may have and, you know, handle their own assignments as well. So that's going to be some valuable reps like you said that they're going to be getting in this game because and, of all those defensive guys being out and, and james it, some of it's you know just simple you know when you're watching this game you're talking about anthony nelson on third and three on the hard count does he jump off sides right you know the nickelback you were talking about when you're bracketing two and you know you have inside help and it's third and four you shouldn't give up any outbreaking routes like it's just like, like those simple things that sometimes go unnoticed you know, as you're watching the game, you know, those are the things that Coach Bowles is looking for. Because if we got to put you in the game in the playoffs, can we trust you? You know, not to right. make unforced errors, you know, to, to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. Do We shouldn't have to coach effort. Is everybody running to the ball? Like, right. those are the things in a game like this that you're looking for. Because that starts to talk about culture. Like, we right. fought through a lot of adversity this year. You know, we, we've had a lot of spotlight. We hadn't always shown our best you know, in our primetime games, but has that helped us mature to where we're at now so that, you know, we can make this run? You know, and I'll say this, I just put a bet in for the Bucks to win the Super Bowl, 20 to 1. So, uh, and, and I just want to put some context on it. I bet them to win the NFC. Uh, I got 10 to 1. You always can shop around. But but here was my thought process. Jalen Hurts going to be coming off an extended period of time out, you know, so there's probably going to be some rust there. Um, we've already beaten Dallas. Now, they're better, but nobody thinks we can't beat Dallas. You know, Minnesota, great record. You look at their point differential, you know they're not as good as their record says. And even uh, just the way they've fallen apart at the end of the year. Yeah. I mean, dropping Green, games. Whether it's Green Bay, Seattle, Detroit, like, I mean, San Francisco. Yeah, okay, they're a formidable team. I've said this time and time again. Brock Purdy has a turnover field game coming. You start to saw, see glimpses of it against the Raiders. You know, he missed some throws that he had been making. Like, there's one coming. Like, you just nope. don't come into the league and run off 10 straight and, you know, play mistake-free, you know, I, I, efficient I, I, football. He's got a mistake field game coming. So, I'm just saying the Bucks are live when you look at the NFC. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. As far as Brock Purdy goes, I, I think he's due for one. Only, I mean, not only because he got a one-up on Tampa Bay already, um, but you know, the question is at the end of the day, Brock Purdy has been playing well for the system that San Fran has, but he is an untested rookie. He is a guy that when the lights come on in the postseason, you know what I mean? Everything's hunky dory right now, but 49er fans aren't going to be too high on him when he has a zero touchdown, three pick game under the lights in the postseason. So, well, they're, they're going home all that bang, bang, nine, a game. Right. And, and, and don't forget this now. <laughs> he's their third quarterback. Yeah. So yeah, they no can't kidding. afford to have any kind of sprained ankle, you know, any situation where, you know, he hits his hand on a helmet or something. So they're in a very precarious situation at that position. So, and I don't wish that on any of them. Uh, I hope he plays lights out and we're just too good on that particular day. But right. that's where my faith in Tampa comes. Like when these playoffs start, if we were in the AFC, I really would just say hashtag no shot. 
Like, right. there's no shot that we're going to beat Burrow, Mahomes, Allen. It just wasn't going to happen, you know, not with the way we're playing this year. But in the NFC, I mean, when you look at the quarterbacks that Brady would have to beat, I mean, he is by far the most accomplished one. We've proven we can beat Rodgers, you know, twice, what is it, last two years? No, not last two out of the last three. We've yeah. knocked out mm -hmm. Green Bay. I mean, come on. So uh, that gives me hope. I mean, it really does that in spite of all the frustration throughout the year, I still feel like, you know, in my mind, the Bucks like, have the least amount of questions from a resume standpoint, you know, as anybody in the NFC. Yeah, a lot of people are going to look at a, a disappointing regular season and equate that to maybe a one-and-done run in the playoffs. But just like you said, half of the season is getting to the dance. And as far as the outside looking in for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, from a resume perspective, you've got a defense – You've got a core. You've got a competent defense. You've got a great head coach to run the defense in Todd Bowles. Like, people don't give this defense enough credit for the way that they have played in the 2022 season. And obviously, because the offense playing the way that they did, that was a talking point all year. But when you come into the playoffs and you have a competent defense and you have got Tom Brady under center, obviously, I think you have just got the same chance that you do. And, and we also talked about the presence of Akeem Hicks and Vita Vea. Oddly enough, there's a stat for this. In 2022, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 5-1 and one when Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks are available and both play 10-plus snaps. So uh, the absence of Vita Vea could obviously do a lot for this defense. Sean King, I know you got to run here in a minute. Before you go, let me get a score prediction for this Sunday. Um, I'm going to give a halftime score. I'm going to say Bucks up 14-3 at the half. Uh, that'd be really, really, you know, a good outcome in my opinion. And, you know, whatever happens in the second half, man, listen, some young guys are getting some experience. So, you know, hopefully Brady and the crew will come out, be efficient. You know, I'll say this about a team like Atlanta. They've kind of scratched and clawed the entire season. But the vets on that team, the majority of them, listen, they got flights booked, Cabo, Hawaii. Like, listen, they want this game to be over uh, as <laughs> quick as possible. So hopefully the Bucks go and uh, get it done, man. Ladies and gentlemen, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. Thanks for joining us for the first half of the show. We're going to wrap this thing up, but we'll take a quick break. Don't go anywhere live on YouTube. We'll talk to you here in a minute. Welcome back to the Cannon Fire podcast live right here on YouTube today. Pleasure to be joined uh, by not only everyone watching, but my good buddy and colleague, James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Box Nation. Man. Man, it is. Uh, uh, listen, listen, I know we're talking about Tampa Bay, obviously, but I do want to take a recess here. 2023 has not been fun so far, man. It really, really has not. I know Tampa Bay is undefeated so far this year, but uh, it's been one hell of a week for our Cannon Fire family. So not only do we appreciate everyone hanging out with us here today, but um, I mean, honestly, just just anyone still kicking with us. It has been been a hectic week, not only around, you know, us and, and people that we know personally, but even the NFL. Yeah, just, um, geez Louise, tough first week, you know, um, just so, so, so much uh, tough situations happening, you know, um, obviously thoughts and prayers go out to everybody, you know, it, like you said, it, everybody relating to the Cannon Fire podcast, um, you know, the DeMar Hamlin situation, tragic, you know, absolutely tragic. Um, I feel like the right decision was made on that too, you know, and regarding the game and whatnot. And that obviously creates a logistical mess, but it needed to happen. You yeah. know, no, I, um, I, 
Wow, there we go. And the, the dogs agree. I, they agree. Yeah, I, I think the right choice was made. Um, as far as Demar Hamlin, though, for anyone not up to speed, though, a lot of encouraging updates uh, from that camp. The breathing tube has been taken out in the hospital. He was able to FaceTime his teammates this morning, kind of address everybody. And I don't know if the report was true, but they said that when he was first like waking up and starting to interact with people, the first question he asked is if they won the game. That's in if the Buffalo Bills beat Cincinnati and that game was canceled, it was obviously ruled a no contest. Uh, but you want to talk about the ultimate football guy. Hats off to DeMar Hamlin, uh, the Chasing M's Foundation, obviously that fundraiser, the way people have just have have kind of, you know, gotten behind this young man and, and really supported and lifted him up in a time like this. It, it has been it has been refreshing to see uh, the support that he's gotten in just the crazy ass times that we're living through right now. Sometimes we get it right, you know, as, as a society or a group of human beings. Sometimes sometimes we can come together and and really show support. Tom Brady even donated to the um, the toy drive, I believe, that DeMar Hamlin was uh, supporting and whatnot. I believe he gave a $10,000 donation. So, you know, it's just a cool thing to see everybody be able to come together. I think what last I saw it was up to like $6 million was what was raised for it. So just really cool. You know, that that just goes to show that situations like that it is more than just a sport it is more than just entertainment you know whenever there is tragedy whenever there is heartbreaking things that do happen people are able to come together and show support when it is needed so i think that that's an excellent and a very encouraging thing to see absolutely and just for the people curious evan wanish will return for our post-game show this week sunday win loser draw after the game against atlanta we will be live right here, youtube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast to recap the game and, of course, the regular season as we get ready for the postseason. Let's check in on the live chat really quickly. Our buddy Wishing B says, Wishing Vita Vea can take this week off and have a few more weeks to heal. That definitely would be nice, but I think for a big guy like Vita, he's been battling injury all year. So, you know, skipping out on a game like this uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think is going to do a lot of good for his availability in the postseason. Lobello says Tom Brady's first year with Tampa Bay, a Super Bowl win, second year division champs, third year so far division champs. Everyone wanting to move on from Tom Brady is out of your mind. You have become too spoiled. And, uh, you know, Sean had mentioned it earlier, and I know he was just kind of the messenger talking about the media buzz, but I could do a whole hour and a half podcast on why I think if Tom Brady plays another year, it's going to be here in Tampa Bay. Um but I know that we have also flirted with the idea of if TB12 does end up deciding to retire or just, you know, hit the old dusty trail and, and go find a new franchise to try and bring to glory. We've we flirted with the idea of some potential quarterbacks that could come in here and, and be the future of this franchise. We already talked about the Kyle Trask perspective of it a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, Sean mentioned it as well. It's a pretty stacked free agent class. And I mean, you know, there's not a ton of playmakers there. There's a lot of high risk, high reward type players. But when you hear of guys like Cooper Rush, who is proven to be capable of winning games for Dallas, Gardner Minshew, who, listen, that's my vote. All that's right, your Minshew, guy. Minshew mania running wild in Tampa Bay is obviously what I want the most, but... You know, you, the other you, just options, want, you, you, you just want him as your quarterback because that's just basically you if you were an NFL quarterback. Maybe. 
Maybe. I, I mean, you'd I know be out he wasn't, there wearing the jorts, man. I know he wasn't balling out last week for Philly because they really didn't have any answers. But uh, the week before that, that game against Dallas, what was it? Christmas Eve when they were playing in Dallas. I know they ultimately lost that game, but I mean, he was balling. He, he was yeah. balling. Um, let's see here. Hollow in the chat says, am I wrong for wanting Derek Carr if Tom Brady leaves? At least he would fit the whole pirate theme. Well, there's already, you know, the, the marketing aspect with the pirate theme coming from the Raiders. But, you know, I don't think that relationship in, in Vegas is going to be mended at this point. I know people were kind of talking about, oh, Josh McDaniels really likes Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. That's the only reason he's Raiders because of Derek Carr. So clearly he's not going to go anywhere. And they just gave him that big ass deal last offseason. But I mean, it's done. Like he's done in 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 a Raiders uniform. And he has done so much to where they didn't even want him in the facility the last two weeks of the regular season. So with that being said, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr? Because honestly, as much as I like Gardner Minshew, I would like a Derek Carr a lot more because he's proven to me even though he's a little bit more of a high-risk quarterback because of the high volume of interceptions he's had this year, you know, if the Bucs stick with an air, uh, air raid style of offense, Derek Carr can make all those throws. Now I want to say this. is um, Yeah, he does have 14 interceptions, which I believe leads the league this year. Kind of crazy, too, because <clears throat> a couple of years ago, we just witnessed 30. Right. So, I mean, but, but I want to say this is I've seen a lot of Raiders – people on Twitter talk about how like they're like pretty excited to be moving on from Derek Carr you know and they're like yeah it's about time you know Carr he just he, he was the reason the the Raiders struggled this year I don't agree with that I mean I I just don't I think that whenever I look at Derek Carr and I look at the response from Raiders people who say oh it's about time yeah they they do need to move on from Derek Carr I sit there and think why like he's still a good quarterback he's still a a very good quarterback I think if you give him and yes he has Devontae Adams and I still think he's putting up decent numbers man you Devontae know, Adams like broke the Raiders franchise record for receiving yards and I think he was pretty damn close in receiving touchdowns as well I mean he had a he had a really good year on a losing team right so I mean like you know they do have some weapons over there with the Raiders um and I feel like Carr is still a very good quarterback. I would say probably a top 15 quarterback in the league. Um, so w when I when I see, you know, a lot of people from the Raiders say, oh, man, it's about time they're ready to move on from Derek Carr. I sit there and think, dude, I'd love this guy in the Bucks if Brady wasn't there. You know, like if Brady retires or if Brady, you know, I'd still I still think he probably retires. But if he's not around and you have to pick somebody else, Go get Derek Carr, man. You can get that guy on a long-term deal, potentially. Um, you know, if he's released, even better. You know, and I, I guess in my opinion, I mean, you know, either, either way, you know, he can be a guy. He, How old is he now? 29, 30? I he's think he 31. Might be, yeah, 31. He's 31. So you could have him, you know, be your quarterback for four years, five years, something along those lines. Quarterbacks play around 35, 36 now. And I think that you could get some productive play from him given the weapons that you have around. Um, so that's that's kind of my thoughts on Derek Carr. I think that in terms of all the guys that would be available, if the Buccaneers needed to pick a guy to be able to come in and compete, you can make a legitimate argument the car is the top option. Uh, you know, if you look at other guys like a Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm pretty high on a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, 
or or well, you know, I, I again, it's it's back to that idea where first off, the guy just wins, <laughs> you, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, the guy wins, and if you give him enough good weapons, I feel like he is a guy that you you can get some productive play out of. But still, I would say Derek Carr, if he's available, hey, got to be the number one option in my opinion, just based off of. Just the good stats that you've been able to see him put up. I mean, geez, you look at his career stats, 217 passing touchdowns to 99 interceptions and 35,000 passing yards in his career. That's that's pretty good, man. That's 217 good. to nine, 217 to 99 picks. And let's not forget, he's probably coming off of his, I think, maybe worst season throwing interceptions. Uh, if not. Tied. Tied. Okay. Last year, he had 14. Oh, so he's been playing bad two years in a row. Love to hear well, that. Well, so, look, 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 look. But even then, like, is 14 interceptions really that bad? Like, in my opinion, not. Like, I don't well, think it's terrible. It, when it leads the NFL in a year like this, where we've seen a lot of bad offensive play, it is it is kind of bad. But again, you know, context being important. I mentioned it before. 2019, we watched a guy go out there and throw 30. So. Well, I mean, and, and look, you know, like Jameis Winston threw 14 interceptions four times or 14 or more four times in his career, you know? So, I mean, like for me, it's kind of like, well, you know, if if you can have a guy like that at quarterback and, and you know, have faith and trust that this guy can be your franchise quarterback, you know, you can you can you can deal with a guy like Derek Carr. And I think, for, you know, if he's throwing 14 interceptions a year maximum, that's his most he's ever thrown in a year. I'm not I'm not mad about that. Yeah, obviously, some guys could just need a change of scenery. Maybe for Derek Carr, that is the case. Uh, some thoughts in the live chat here about the quarterback discussion. Reznov Nada says Derek Carr won't win anything for Tampa Bay. He's just not that guy. And Jimmy G is too injury prone and not reliable. Hollow actually really likes the idea of Jimmy G says, oh, yeah, Jimmy G does sound better and way better looking than Derek Carr. Um, let's see what else. Lobello with a great point here. And this is kind of where I want to pivot the conversation as we talk about the potential future of the quarterback position for Tampa Bay. If Tom Brady does leave, then I would want to get Derek Carr. But if both are available, then easily keep Tom Brady for as oh, long yeah. as possible. So I haven't gotten your opinion on this. And I wish I could have asked Sean before he had to go. But, you know, Tom Brady. <clears throat> People talk a lot about Tom Brady in retirement, but Tom Brady has not talked a lot about retirement. And listen, when he retired the first time, he didn't talk a lot about retirement, but there were quotes that came out where you could kind of start to put the pieces together and maybe see it coming, right? Towards the end of the regular season, even going into the playoffs, he started to talk a lot more about his family, spending time with people who were important with him making time that he didn't always have before like hindsight's always 2020 but the way that he was talking you could almost see it coming right well sure. a couple of a couple of clues that we've got so far uh, as far as tom brady and his thoughts on retirement one of them is that he had reposted something uh that nfl films had had put up and it was about his quarterback sneak touchdown against carolina and he had mentioned He's been doing it for 23 years and counting, which a lot of people thought was interesting, right? I mean, you know, you're not going to continue to count the years if maybe you don't plan to have a few more. I don't know. And another talking point that was brought up was that on his Let's Go podcast a couple of weeks ago, they straight up asked him the question, uh, have you thought about retirement? Have you thought at all 
about what your official retirement is going to look like? And his answer was no. It's like the furthest thing from his mind right now. And I think when you're Tom Brady, who has made it clear that, you know, as long as he has the ability to go out there and help his team, he's going to continue to play. As long as he thinks he can play, he's going to go out there and play. And when you've got three 50-plus yard touchdowns to Mike Evans through the air last week, nobody's making any more comparisons to Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. You remember a couple of weeks ago, there was some bozo on Twitter who had said something comparing Tom Brady to Peyton Manning his final season. Like, what the fuck, man? Um, nobody's doing yeah, that's, that. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's not that's accurate. Terrible. Yeah, that's, that's, terrible. that's not accurate. I mean, obviously, we've had the discussion time and time again. I think if you're looking at Tom Brady as one of the main problems with this Bucks team in 2022, you just haven't been watching close enough. But with all of that being said, you know, I've always been the eternal optimist here on the podcast. But like, what if he does come back for another year? What if he does come back for two or maybe three more seasons. And Ten. what are your thoughts on that potentially being with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as opposed to other teams? Because like I said, I could go on an hour long tangent about why he's not going to be a Raider, why he's not going to be a 49er and why he's going to stay on the East coast and, and continue to play in a Tampa Bay uniform. What do you think? Well, I mean, I want number one. I still think he retires, you know, like I, I could see Tom Brady totally say a thing where it's like, you know, I'm farthest thing from my mind. And then the, the reasoning is like, because I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm focused on the game. You know, I'm focused on the the season, and that's understandable. Um, but I, I still think he retires. You know, all things considered. I mean, the guy is 46 now, and he probably wants to spend some time with his kids. I know I said that last year, but I, I'm going to keep on saying it until Four, it happens. 45, not 46 till August. Okay, well there you go. He's 45. So, you know, um. If he did stay, I would I would think his probably his first options with the Bucks, not just because of you know the idea of I mean, geez, if they fire Byron Lethwich, I guess he'd have to learn a new offensive scheme anyway. But um, who's to say he doesn't have some input on who maybe the offensive new offensive coordinator, coordinator is. he wants to bring in? Because at the end of the day, you know, we we talked about Todd Bowles moving on from Byron Lethwich in the offseason. I unless the Bucks win the damn Super Bowl, I don't. I don't care. I don't, I, I don't even, I don't even yeah, care. If even if happens. they won the Super Bowl, I don't think Byron I don't Leftwich care. could be justified. I don't care. He needs to be gone. Like, I, and I know that I'm usually not that blunt about situations like that, but like, dog, I don't care if they go and win the Super Bowl. Like, I, I'm so over <laughs> just the play calling and just the inefficiencies. And I know, did play. you, did you see his quote yesterday where Dude, he, it's had insufferable. Said, where he, he, he had said, and, and this is the worst part about Byron so far this year is that. I don't think he's had a single press conference in 2022 that didn't come off as incredibly condescending. Like the way that he talks, you would still think the Bucks were a top offense in the NFL, which is just not the case. Um, but what he said this week in particular took a lot of people by surprise, myself included. He said uh, he feels like, you know, the slander against the Bucks offense has been overblown. When people talk about how they are no longer averaging 30 points per game, you know, he knows that they 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 haven't gotten any better. He knows that they have gotten worse, but it's like it's not that big of a deal to him. And he literally said yesterday he was up at the podium. He's like, I think people are overreacting about how this offense looks right now. I know we've got a lot of slack this year. And he's like, what? But we're ranked like 12th in the NFL in well, terms of yards. Well, no, the Bucks are ranked 11th in terms of yards and they are ranked 24th. 24th. Yep. 
in terms of scoring. This was the number two statistical offense in the NFL in 2021, and uh, they have just fallen off of a cliff this season. And it's almost like he doesn't even want to acknowledge that. Well, and then let me let me point to this too. He said, you know, I think you guys over exaggerate because we look different. The numbers say we're not that far off. For some reason, everybody wants to throw dirt on the Bucks. That's an exact quote. Greg Allman of Fox Sports said, Bucks offense has 29 touchdowns this year, had 56 at this point last year. So they're not <laughs> numbers aren't that close. So I don't understand where that's coming from. Um you know, another quote here, when you really listen to people talk about us, it's emotions talking. That's not really people that are watching us, watching us get better every week. You got me smacking my microphone around. I think, uh, you know, and then there's obviously that quote that you said. I will say one thing that Byron Leftwich said that I do agree with. We're awful from third down in red zone. It's disappointing. Those two things for us as a team with who we have. Well, yeah, I, I actually agree with that. So, but but then he says that they're not that far off and that the numbers look the same. So, like how how but you just said that things aren't that aren't that different, but they are because you said you're awful in the red zone and you're awful on third down. Uh so I he's contradicting himself there a little bit in my opinion what is happening dude just what is happening i don't know i'm sad i'm upset pain i don't I, care if they I, win the super bowl man it just oh. this homie 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 needs to go be a coach somewhere else i i agree um you know, you, you kind of that may upset. be a hot take. That may be a hot take. No, you're not the only person on the planet right now who thinks Byron Leftwood should not be in be in Tampa Bay. And honestly, it bums a lot of people out when you think of just how close the Jaguars were to taking them off of our hands uh, this time a year ago. Right? Yeah. They were they were finalizing the deal with Jacksonville. He had a little bit of falling out with the GM. They go another direction. And lucky for the Jags, they're playing for their division in a spot in the postseason. Can you believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to play a football game on Sunday to potentially reach the postseason? Like, I love Doug Peterson. He's a great yeah. head coach. Doug Peterson, obviously working wonders with Trevor Lawrence, making him one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. But let's reel this thing back in. We we were talking about Tom Brady, the possibility of him staying in Tampa Bay for another year, another two years. I know you said you think he retires. I don't know, man. I I, I don't I I don't think he does, but. I've obviously been wrong before. Um, trying to think of one more thing I wanted to talk about here before we wrap this thing up. You know, this offense in general, I, I, I almost, I don't want to get myself too excited, right? I, I think this is important, and I don't want to end the show on a negative note because we were talking with Sean King, who literally just put a bet in for Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl. And I do think this Bucks team still has the talent to win some games in the postseason. But this offense, I'm not saying last week was a fluke where they scored 30 points. But sure. I'm not I'm not I'm not ready to buy in yet. All right. The the Bucs have, have gotten my hopes up too many times this season where I've told myself, all right, they're gonna turn it around. They're gonna figure it out. They're gonna get the ball rolling. Tom Brady's gonna write the ship, and we're gonna get back to, you know, putting up 28, 34, 38 maybe 40 plus points on teams we're gonna do it points and and they haven't done it you look at the wins that they have had the last few wins that they have had carolina 21 to 10 headed into the fourth quarter of the game 16 to 6 headed into the fourth quarter on christmas day against trace fucking mcsorley 
and the Arizona Cardinals. I don't remember the score, but they were down two possessions heading into the final five minutes of that Monday night football game against New Orleans. You know, this offense has not proven to me this year that they can play a full 60 minutes. And I'm going to be looking for that, obviously, Sunday against Atlanta. I think the Bucs are going to be looking for that. Everyone in that locker room knows it. You know, that's why Chris Godwin goes out there and says it. That's why Tom Brady says it. They know they have to put together a full 60 minutes. But if they can't do that on Sunday, I just, I think we have to come to terms with, uh, with what this offense is right now. And we talked about the stout defense. They obviously deserve the credit. And listen, when you have Tom Brady, you obviously always have a fighting chance, but it's just, it's not going to be what it was, you know, when they were dropping a ton of points on teams. So like, what are your thoughts and expectations for the offense as we wrap up the regular season and, and head into the postseason here? Yeah, you know, obviously last week was insanely encouraging, but like you said, the offense has been so, so, so inconsistent on a week-to-week basis that you you can't buy fully in to that point of they're back, you know, they're, they're, they're ready to go, they're good to go. You can't necessarily say that because that's what everybody thought after the Munich-Germany game. That wasn't accurate. Um, I mean, everybody- outside of outside of outside of the game against Carolina, not to cut you off, I just want to get this point in here. You know, outside of the game against Carolina, outside of Munich, and outside of Week One, probably the three best offensive performances. You know, Week One against Dallas was a boring game offensively, right? They ran the ball well, which is why they were able to control the clock and really win that game the way that they did, over a hundred yards on the ground. That hasn't happened a lot this year. Gave us some false hope in the first week of the season. And, you know, against the Seahawks in Germany, they were a well-oiled machine, but they weren't a scoring machine. You know what I mean? Like, they they, they hadn't quite turned the corner to to maybe bring themselves back to former glory, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, no, I agree with that. So, I mean, when... Yeah, whenever you you set your expectations for how are they going to perform in Week 18, well, that's going to be a little bit difficult, too, because all the starters aren't going to be playing the entire game, in my opinion. So uh, even then, I sit there going into the playoffs thinking, I still don't necessarily know how this offense is going to look 100% um, against some good defenses, you know? I mean, yeah, the Bucks have been able to put up some, some decent numbers, but playoffs are an entirely different beast man and it goes for both ways obviously the buccaneers offense could rebound um or they could falter against some good defenses so um you know i i don't know i don't know you know it's just the 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 massive amount of inconsistency throughout this year the problems that byron left has had as offensive coordinator all jokes aside it's been very inconsistent um the just all the the bad inefficient stuff that's been happening this year but, at the Bucks offense is all going to possibly factor into any, you know, into, into the playoffs. The lack of a run game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it automatically makes this offense one-dimensional when they're not even that good to begin with. So, with Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, obviously playing through injury, unfortunately. He he mentioned that, uh, that foot injury that he's kind of had heavily taped up these past couple of weeks. He's been playing through that. That's a pain management thing. He chooses to be out there but he's not getting the reps. And to be honest, for a running back getting paid $7 million a year, he has been disappointing this season. Rashad White has been a breath of fresh air, but even though he has been good, he hasn't really moved the needle as far as, you know, the production in the run game. And it hasn't really 
introduced a lot of folds into this offense that we know can be so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree 100%, man. I mean, the, the running game has been inefficient, you know, and and just, just all that stuff, man. I mean, all, all the stuff that, you know, they keep on saying they want to improve on, they want to improve on it, it doesn't necessarily happen. So, as I said, you know, expectations for the playoffs and whatnot, I mean, who knows? You know, who knows what offense is going to show up? Um, and that's kind of the only way I can look at it right now. I, I can't sit there and say, you know, the offense is back to form. Because I've thought that before this year. And like you said, Rhett, been dead wrong the next week. So um, who knows? Who knows what type of offense is going to show up? It just depends on how well they're able to execute and how well of a game plan Byron Leftwich is able to call in that game. Yeah. Building consistency, obviously going to be a big thing for Tampa Bay. Looking to have another great week on the offensive side of the ball against a division opponent in Atlanta. And the Falcons, you know, they have nothing to play for. This is their final game of the season, but teams like this love to play upset. And I know the Bucs, obviously, a win or a lose or a win or a loss here is not going to make much of a difference. Um, but I, I still think everyone in that locker room is playing to win. You know, you can treat it as a preseason game if you want to, but Tom Brady doesn't want to finish 8-9. He's never had a negative record in his 23 years of playing in the NFL. And, and I don't think he wants that to change this year, even though it has been disappointing. He wants to win. Mike Evans, these guys want to win. Chris Godwin, these guys want to win. Really quick, one more uh, one more check-in on the live chat. Wishing B says they'll only get back to form when Tom has time. If Jensen suddenly comes back and worse is healthy, etc., maybe. And obviously a great point. We have yet to bring it up. But Ryan Jensen ramping up the intensity at practice this week. And uh, from people close to the situation, they say that there is, I don't want to say a good chance, but a better chance than most would think that he could be ready to go two weeks from now for the wild card round. A home playoff game for Tampa Bay would love to see Big Red come and make his season debut in the postseason. Obviously, this Bucks offensive line needs it. Um, Chris Mayle says, hopefully we run the ball creatively, play action passing, and score some points. I think that was a big reason why the passing game last week was able to do as well as it was. I mean, Mike Evans getting a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage against a rookie cornerback is going to do that a lot of the times. But Tom was feeling comfortable in the pocket, and I think that's because they were getting a little bit more creative with the play action pass. And that has led to great things for this offense, not only just this year, since joining Tampa Bay. Tom Brady on play action passes is literally like better than any other quarterback in the NFL. The stats will prove it. And uh, hopefully they can try and incorporate that into the playbook. Maybe, maybe they get a little creative. You know, this time last year when they were playing Carolina in the final game of the regular season, we saw um, Scotty Miller get a touchdown on an end around. You know, Julio Jones has gotten some end arounds, but maybe you mix up some personnel. Maybe you mix up, bring in something that just hasn't been on film so far this season. Hopefully yeah. you can add some folds into this offense. Also, uh, BK Jackson responds to wishing B says it was Sean Payton that gave that forward to losing record in the playoff stat. They were talking a little bit earlier about, um, let me see here. I know what he's talking about. I'm going to find it six times with a losing record teams enter the playoffs and the losing record teams were four wins and two losses. So, I mean, for the Bucs, you know, if they finish with a losing record, a stat like that, history proves to be on their side. What were you going to say as we start to wrap things up? No, no, I was just agreeing with what you were saying about the 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 point from the chat and whatnot. So that was that was all. Perfect. Well, ladies and gentlemen, actually, you know what? 
Let me get a score prediction from you, James. I'm curious to see how you think this thing plays out on Sunday. I know, putting you on the spot, but you had some time to think about it because after I asked Sean, you had to have known this question was coming. I did not. 21-17, Bucks win, but with a lot of backups. Okay. I like it. Bucks win. Kyle Kyle Trask finishes out the game. Everybody rejoices. And, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope for Kyle Trask. I will take Tampa Bay in this one. I think they win, and they finish with a positive record in 2022. 24, 24-14. You know what? I, I like the defense to stand up. It, realistically, Atlanta, just like uh, just like it had been mentioned, they're kind of rolling the dice here with Ritter, a guy who is not proven to bring a lot of juice to this offense. Um, I know they're going to play tough, and – they're really going to try and play upset for Tampa Bay, but I think our defense is going to play well. I think Anthony Nelson is going to have a big game. I think they're going to get after him. He's going to be rattled. I think he'll make a few mistakes. I'd like to see, you know what? I'll predict an interception this week. Uh, nothing crazy, not a multi-turnover game for the defense, but I would like to see an interception this week, maybe leading to some points. And I think the Bucks play a clean game all 60 minutes, kind of shades of that game against Seattle. Right, not a lot of mistakes, just a clean game. Went out there and got the job done, and I think they handled business. Twenty-four to fourteen, the Bucks come out on top. A couple of score predictions in the chat. Edwin Hernandez is thirty seventeen bucks. So two weeks in a row putting up thirty points for Tampa Bay obviously would be the kind of tone you want to set before the postseason on the offensive side of the ball. Mister Smith said Falcons got that new guy starting, so the defense will be feasting. I agree with those sentiments exactly. But ladies and gentlemen. That's just about going to do it for the final regular season episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us live right here on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire podcasts. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Check out uh, James Hill. His content right here on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation. You can also check out his written work and podcast exclusively on BucksNation.com. Also, Sean King, former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback. You can see his jersey in the backdrop over there with James. The special edition black alternates that the Bucks never wore. But damn it, I wish they did because they looked sharp. I like that combo in Madden still every now and again. Follow Sean King on Twitter at RealSeanKing, and you can also find him on Instagram at CoachSeanKing, and you can watch him on your television set Monday through Friday on VSIN Primetime Live. He's got you covered on uh, everything betting, whether it's you know NHL, NBA, NFL. Uh, he's putting bets on everything. We were talking about it last time. I think he had mentioned a NASCAR bet on here before, and I was like, are you kidding me? So uh, make sure you get in touch with him on that and showing some love. Really grateful to have him and his insight on the Can of Fire podcast this year. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But once again, folks, that is the show. Win, lose, or draw will be live right here, youtube.com forward slash Cannon Fire podcast. I will be joined by Evan Wanish after the game on Sunday. Eh, like 4 o'clock, 3.45, if everything goes according to plan. We should be talking to you guys right around that time. It should be a good one. Looking forward to it and would love to see the Buccaneers round out a disappointing regular season with a positive record and some positive momentum headed into the playoffs. 
They made the dance. You just got to see what they can do when they get there. We'll talk to you next time. I am your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, James Hill, and special guest. I'm sorry, co-host at this rate. I don't want to undersell him here. Former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. Always a pleasure. Thank you guys again. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thanks for listening, and go box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.